We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. Episode number 43 of Lion Legacy, the last episode of 2022, which also means we are getting ready for the Rose Bowl. Maybe not we, as in you and me, Ross, but yep. we as in Penn State football. That's right. Yeah, and by the way, episode 43, the Adam Telefero of episodes. Shout out Adam Telefero. He's Shout doing out. good things now. I think he's like a state senator in New Jersey or something. I don't have to Yeah, he got his, I think, his law degree and then yeah. went into to politics. So another Penn Stater that continues to, to shine for sure. That's right. But yes, Rose Bowl, pretty cool. You know, I mean, it would be nice if we were in the, the CFB, but we've got a, the playoff system to look forward to next year. Is it next year or the year after? Two years, two years, two years. yeah. But no, Rose Bowl will be fun. Monday, January 2nd, watch it. It's a New Year's Day observed. So it'll be a nice way to wrap up the uh, the New Year's weekend. But Jared, you've actually been to the Rose Bowl a couple of times. Tell us, tell me about that. Or remind yeah. me about that. Yeah, I went a few times, actually. I was living in LA and we, the company that I worked for was Farmers Insurance. We would sponsor the Tournament of Roses. So the actual- the, the, uh, the parade, right? The parade, exactly. Yep. Yeah, we were sponsors. I would be up on January 1st, usually at 4 a.m. Pacific because the parade would start certainly quite early. Then we would go after the parade, we would tailgate, and then we would go into uh, into the game. So I saw a few Rose Bowl games. I saw BCS, a national championship game when I was in L.A. as well. And then after I left L.A., I came back, flew from Philly to, uh, to Los Angeles to actually see the Saquon Barkley a Rose Bowl oh, against, against USC. USC yeah. you know, was, we were looking really good for... Yeah quite some time and then unfortunately did not pan out the way we hoped but hoping that this time uh, things change i will say if you have never been to the rose bowl game it's a bucket list it's just great atmosphere it's an iconic stadium certainly iconic bowl game to to attend and win as well put it on the list ross yeah put it on the list yeah i wonder maybe as you're talking about this the ucla plays their home games there you wonder if they take it for granted. The bowl game, I'm sure, is an experience, but it's like if you're a student at UCLA and that's like your home stadium, I'm sure it probably doesn't have the allure. But you're talking about one of the oldest, one of the original college bowl games. It goes back to, what, 90 years ago or something like that. Yeah, the granddaddy of them all. It's tough as well. And If you haven't been to LA or Pasadena, it's not close to the UCLA campus. That's it's right. actually a, quite a drive. So yeah. It doesn't have that same effect or appeal as like a Beaver Stadium that's so close to the campus and or on campus. Yeah, I've been to a UCLA USC game at the Rose Bowl, which was a great atmosphere because of the rivalry. I think the nice thing is that in a few years, Penn State will be you're, playing. Yeah, you're going where I was yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. So Penn State will be playing at the Rose Bowl against UCLA and out in LA against USC, which is which is just crazy to think about, right? Because we yeah. always knew of those schools being part of the Pac-10 and yeah. now Pac-12 and soon to be part of the Big Ten. I have so many questions about the logistics of all that, but <laughs> that we're not going to get into that right now. We're not going to answer everything. But you know who who had a lot of cool insight for us? I didn't say yes, the answer is he's got a lot of cool insight. We spoke with Mike Poorman. 
So, Mike, I don't even know where to begin. And the guy's been affiliated with the university for 40 years. He's he's instructed. He still instructs. He's instructed. He's been a faculty mentor, advisor. He's involved with extracurricular clubs. He writes for statecollege.com. He said he worked for the Center Daily Times back in the day. I mean, he's Russ. Just, he's just the man. He's, just let's yeah. stop there. He's just he's the man. We get some notes before we meet with our guests, and literally, I'm, uh, there's like a full page of everything he's been involved with and is involved with. We don't even. I think there's probably half of it we didn't even touch on in the uh, conversations. And Ross, before we get into it, special shout out to Gabe Angieri of Professor KDO Tools Podcast Class, where we have a partnership with, and Gabe helped produce this podcast. So thanks, Gabe. And then one other point I wanted to make is Mike has always been a great supporter of Lion Legacy. We were actually reminiscing afterwards. Our episode number two that we had was Shannon Furman, who was from College of Communications. Ever since back then, he's been a super supporter of us and helped everything that kind of happens behind the scenes in the show. And so it was nice to get to, to speak with him one-on-one. And with that said, we're going to dive right in with Mike Portman. All right. Let's welcome Mike Porman, a 1982 graduate with a dual degree in journalism and political science. We might as well call Mike Mr. Penn State, and that is not an exaggeration, Ross. Too many things to list off, but I'll give a few. Director of Alumni Relations for the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications, managing programs, events, awards, and boards for the college's 32,000-plus alumni. He teaches classes. He's been on the boards of ArtsFest and First Night State College. When he was a student, he was the sports editor of the Daily Collegian. And at that time, it was named the nation's number one student newspaper. There's actually so much more that we're going to talk about during this podcast. Mike, a true honor. Thanks for joining us on Lion Legacy. Thanks for asking me. You guys know I'm a huge, huge fan of the podcast. I'm a big hiker, so it's on a high rotation for me. And you get some really intriguing people. And then you get me. Thanks a lot for having me. This is going to be an intriguing episode. No doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. And Mike, thanks. Just to echo Jared, what Jared said, you've been a great supporter of the show here and we're happy to have you. So first we'll start off. So my wife, Jessica, is a comms ma- was a comms major and a graduate of Belisario. She remembers you. So I'm sure she'll be excited to listen to this episode once we get it published. Um, you've definitely left a mark on the students and alumni. And speaking of which, I'm sure you've come across many talented students and alumni over the years. I'm sure it's difficult to pick your favorites, so we won't ask you to do that. But what are some of the cooler careers that you've learned about and maybe might give us some ideas for future guests? Especially with prospective students and current students, I say, pick a job you want to do. And there's a Penn Stater who's doing that job. It may take a while to find it, but they're doing that job. And I think that's very cool as a student that someone preceded you in that in those footsteps. But these days I like cool jobs like people who do social media or someone for the Fallon show or good morning America or NBC news. Those are the, in my mind, those are some of the current hip jobs where they're literally communicating to millions and millions of people. And seemingly they're all under the age of 30. Penn state has six people who do social media for the 32 NFL teams. I love that penetration wow. of Penn Staters tweeting out and doing IG for the one of the biggest entertainment entities in the world. That stuff I find really cool. Wow, that's amazing. Six. I didn't know. I know we had a few, but I didn't realize six out of 32. That's amazing. And 
makes us feel probably very old. Ross and myself, we graduated in 2004. So if you said, hey, social media back then, we'd say, never heard of this. What do you mean? But now they have classes on social media and podcasting. It's just amazing to see. Speaking of classes, though, from 2008 to 2011, you actually created and taught a class called Joe Paterno Communications and the Media. I'm sure that must have been one of the most popular, if not the most popular class to get into at Penn State. Uh, you probably had a very, very long waiting list. Would love to hear more about the course. And was this something that you actually had to get Coach Paterno's approval on? Yeah, that's a great question. His son, Jay, is a good friend of mine. So I had him, I wrote up a proposal and had him give it to Joe. And Joe goes, Jay, I'm busy. I'm too busy to teach a class. No, you're not <laughs> teaching a class, Joe. It's about you. And really what it was a case study to look at how uh, coaches shows and public relations and fundraising and communications and recruiting, anything having to do with communications, marketing had changed through the year. And Joe was a great benchmark, right? He was at it so long. So if we did a class on fundraising, Bill Schreier, who was head of Merrill Lynch and chief fundraiser for Penn State, would come in and talk about fundraising or using Joe Paterno. We did branding and the publisher of Sports Illustrated came in and go, here's the Sports Illustrated brand. Here's the Joe Paterno brand. Here's here's how they like. And then we took field trips to the press conference. It was a really great hands-on class. And in 2011, when the scandal hit, it really hit. And we had everyone from the New York Times, the New Yorker, Fox, ABC, everyone came to class. And the idea for me, at least, was let's be transparent. They could come to class and we would talk about that day's news and how the media played it. So it was a fascinating time to have a class like that real time. How quickly did that class fill up? It must have been seconds, right? If not, yeah. It was pretty popular. It's neat. I like classes that are not homogenous. And so this had this had kids first to last semester, different majors. And then we had the Nittany Lion. We had the, the twirler. We had football players. We had kids in media, onward state kids. I find that most fascinating when you can get a class that has people who are involved in all different aspects of the university. It really makes it richer. They provide a different viewpoint for really what you're studying, if you can get them involved. And that was great about the Paterno class because they they were able to see things from a variety of viewpoints and really get it. Fascinating. Wish that was around in the early 2000s when Ross and I were there. But Yeah, uh, for sure. Very cool. You know, speaking of students, I know you are actually an enrolled student, which I think we can all admire. And I think it's rare also that after 40 years about after graduating, you are pursuing now a master's degree. Certainly very impressive. Tell us what you're studying and what made you want to go back. History of philosophy and sport in the College of Health and Human Development in the kinesiology department. And it's history, it's philosophy, I write about sports. I teach sports. It's an underlying current of my life. And I have three kids now who are all 20 something and I, two are Penn State grads and I saw them leaving and I thought, how am I going to use my time? How can I, people talk about being a lifelong learner. And this was an opportunity on campus. And this was not online. This was attending class. This was pulling all nighters, writing papers. It was doing research. It was great. It was really hard. I always thought I knew every piece of Penn State, 
I knew nothing about the graduate school. I knew nothing about graduate students. So for that alone, to see that slice of Penn State that I always thought I knew the 360, it, it was really good. And I made a lot of connections and learned learned a lot. My most interesting paper was about sport as play. So I surveyed field hockey players and football players anonymously. And I asked, can you have fun playing a game even if you lose? And what do you, th and this is field hockey. They're terrific nationally. Football, this was back in 16, 17, 18, when they were one of the best teams in the country. Can you have fun even when you lose? What do you think they said? I would venture to guess with the pressure and stress that comes along with a, being a varsity athlete, I would say no when they lose. Almost all of them said yes. Wow. Some of favorite games and favorite memories were close games, big time contests. Even if they lost, they got in the moment, they got in the flow. It's why they came to Penn State to be in the biggest games. Did that surprise you? It totally surprised okay. me because uh, as fans or media devastated there for the loss. And if you're a player and you performed on the pinnacle and you felt great about how you did, yes, the loss hurts, but you're playing the game also to be take it to a higher level. It was things like that I found fascinating. Yeah. I learned yeah. about athletes and the way athletes and students think that I didn't know. Especially at Penn State and especially the football team, right? That has such high media fans. I couldn't imagine the amount of pressure you must feel on a week in week out basis that you're potentially disappointing millions of people out there. Right. I can't, I can't imagine that as an 18 year old kid feeling that pressure. Well, here's a parallel piece. I did a story one time on Penn State quarterbacks through the years, all the way from Kisner through Hackenberg, McGloin, everyone in between. And almost uniformly, they said their best memories, their best moments were playing in Beaver Stadium in tight games in the fourth quarter when things were just going awry and amok and the crowd's going nuts. And they said that's why they came. It's what they lived for. It's when they were calmest. It's when they were in their moment. So I learned a lot about high-end athletes and athletics. And really, sometimes the game they're playing is not the game that everyone else is watching. Right. Fascinating. It's Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You also mentioned your kids. Two of them went to Penn State. Would love to hear what they're doing. Even the third one that didn't go to Penn State, right? I'm uh, sure she's a Penn, he or she's a Penn Stater at heart, regardless. He started at Penn State and transferred to Cornell, so you can't hate him ah, for that. Yeah, that's a good, it's a great yeah. school there. Good yeah. school, not too shabby. Yeah, he turned out okay. My daughter was chemical engineering, which is Ooh. really challenging. She got a job at Exxon out of school and now works for L'Oreal. Has her own little packaging line. Very cool. And my, my, I have twin sons. My one son who went to Penn State is in Minneapolis and he works in cybersecurity. And their number one client is this little company called Amazon. I don't know never if you've heard, heard of it. it. Ne never heard of it. No. <laughs> they talk about a company that needs cybersecurity. Yeah, for sure. So his job is secure. They grew up in State College, but it was neat to see Penn State through their eyes. They thought they knew all about it. And if you're a townie, you think that way. But once you come out of four years at Penn State, you, you realize that it's totally different. And that was my graduate school experience too. Penn State is so big that you can't know every you can't know every corner. So when you find a new one, you're surprised and invigorated and not to be corny, but 
you see how great Penn State is an area that you had no idea. What was the uh, your major? What were you focusing on in your graduate work? A lot of my a lot of my studies, my pre studies, were about the need for an athletic ombudsman, someone who is separate from the university, who the students can go to. But NIL has just taken over, so yeah. really, my 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 thesis right now is on the foundation of NIL, what it was like before the laws were passed, how students still made money for marketing promotions and dare I say under the table. So precursor to NIL. Sure. All right. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. As our listeners probably know, we have a new president at Penn State. We have Neely Bendapudi, who just started just a few months back. And so I guess this is more of a hypothetical for you, Mike. If she called you up tomorrow and said, hey, Mike, you've been around Penn State and the university for quite some time. I need some advice looking to have a couple of areas that I should change or improve about the university. What would you tell her? That's a great question. I'll amend it a little bit, even though it is a great question. If I had advice for her, and I do this with everyone who works at Penn State, interact, make sure you interact with students every day, not just professors, staff, employees, visitors, alumni, everybody. Students are really Penn State's product. And then I'll extend that for Dr. Bendapudi is inter- interface every day intentionally with faculty, staff, OPP, the people who are serving food in the dining halls. There are 12,000 employees, plus there's 40 to 50,000 students just at UP. So I think in interfacing face-to-face with your constituents. You can get lost up up in the bowels of Old Main. And I've seen her out and about a lot. It's not that she does it, but however how much she does, I think she could do more. You learn so much. You see so much walking on campus. And Penn State's a great campus that way. You guys know that, right? It's a rectangle. It's very self-contained. You can go from corner to corner and see what's happening, cut through buildings and see people and have conversations. It's a tough job, but for me, I often will walk to class or walk to downtown through campus. It's amazing the number of people you bump into, the buildings you're in, and you get a sense of really what Penn State's about at the ground floor level. What's about people? Yeah, that's great advice. And I think spot on there in terms of keeping students at the center and have them be the focus always. Speaking of of students and student athletes, you mentioned before the Penn State women's field hockey team. I know you had a stint as being the faculty mentor. I'm curious what that role truly entails, knowing that students have various advisors depending on their major. And then even before that, Coach Shar Moret, I hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I know she is she is a legend of field hockey, a legend at Penn State. She was there when we were at Penn State as well and has done so much to the university. I imagine you have a very strong relationship with her. Shar's the goat. She has been with the retirement of Russ Rose. I actually had a class with Russ Rose on the principles of coaching. Fascinating. It was great. It was terrific. I sat next to a basketball player. There was a softball player over here, a football player here over here, a gymnast here. It was so, it was 8 a.m. on Monday mornings, okay? So you (laughs) get your butt out of bed, everybody. He was great. But Char's been at it longer. I mean, has single-handedly raised 75% of the money to build a new field hockey stadium backside of Pagula there. Wow. Hands on. Wow. Um, 
as faculty mentor, I wouldn't be, advise them about academics or how to play, but it was more life. Let's go have coffee. What are you doing? Or how are you going to apply for this internship? What does your resume look like? Oh, you're stu- You're going away for two weeks. Let's talk about time management. Or sometimes it just gets, it gets to them. My, my greatest compliment for the time I spent six years in that role was at the senior banquet of Gouli, uh, uh, Jenny Rizzo from Hershey. She was a goalie for four years. She goes, you know, my time at Penn State, I had more breakfast with Mike than my parents. And wow. for me, that was, and it was great, but it was really dealing again on, on, on that human level with them, being a cheerleader. Even now, at the start of every season, even along in the rural the, in the role, I have the team out for a team picnic after the first weekend of the season, just to get away for a little bit of retreat. I think women athletes at Penn State are the best cohort of students that Penn State has. Not best co- cohort of athletes, but students. They are so good. They're so focused. They care so much and so accomplished. I mean, you, you guys yeah. sports really well across the board. I'm a wow. huge fan of women athletes at Penn State. Just a question on the faculty mentor. Does every team, every varsity team have one? And then is it like a formal process or is it just relationships through the coaches? How no, it's a work? great, great question. Came out of the scandal that they were looking for more of an academic connect with the athletic teams. So each team has a faculty mentor, a member of the faculty who's assigned to that team. And then you work through Dennis Scanlon, who's the NCAA faculty rep for Penn State, who's the conduit. So it's an official program. You go through compliance, you go through training, wow. you actually do you do a class with the students on academic honesty. It's a rigorous program and it's kind of neat. So when you're a faculty mentor, you have counterparts with other sports, which is great. So you have colleagues in that, in that direction as well. So it's a formal program. And typically it's, you're in the role for four or five years, you rotate through a full class and then someone new comes aboard. Do you know if this is unique to Penn State? Because you said coming out of the scandal. So I don't know if it's like a Penn State thing or is it, has it been adopted by other schools in the NCAA? I have not. I've I had the opportunity to travel with the team to some away games. And when we would talk to people about it, it was unique. But again, you, if you're paired with someone like Shar, I learned so much as a coach and what she thinks of students, athletes of students. So even that, it made me a better teacher so I could understand their perspective too. Mike, speaking of cool roles that, that you've been involved with, you're also the faculty advisor for what was formerly known as Paternoville and now known as Nittanyville, which is pretty darn cool. We didn't know that position existed. So talk a little bit about the role. And then obvious question is, have you ever camped out with those with the Nittanyville kids? No, I have not. Nittanyville is an is official student organization. Yeah. You know, out of the hub, they run all the student orgs. And after THON, it has the biggest uh, number of members. So as an official student org, they need a faculty advisor. So I was that for a number of years when it was Paternoville. Yep. And then when the scandal hit, O'Brien goes, don't, you know, I love Bill O'Brien. He goes, don't name it after me. Don't name it after me. <laughs> uh, which was great. Oh, I thought Obieville would be pretty cool. Obieville, uh, I love it. It was supporting the kids. It was helping them do things right. It was showing up. It was showing up like at 2 a.m. with donuts. But no, I never I never stayed overnight. How many students actually usually camp out? I'm, I wasn't even too sure. Well, you know, in the, in its heyday, in, in 8 and 9, a little bit of 10, you get like 1,500 kids camping out for an Ohio State game. 
massive, right? Wow. And now they get a couple hundred. It's not the same. And I, it's a different generation and things have certainly changed. You, if you guys graduated in four, you know, the momentum again started in five. So there was this huge wave. Right. So it was really, it was really something. It was great. Again, great kids. And so for me, it's the more opportunities to get involved with not just college at com kids, but cohorts of kids across the university. If I'm able to do that, I like that. Jared, I can't even like, you know, when we were there, I think the longest we ever waited to get into a game was like seven hours. I can't imagine like sleeping outside by the stadium for like days on end. It's just like boggles my mind. But I think there, it was that my, there was a Miami game. That's the one I was there thinking was a, of. Yeah. There was a Nebraska game before they yeah. joined the Big Ten. I, I, was... It's Austin. I don't know. I don't have the uh, the wherewithal for that. <laughs> So, Mike, we're going to keep running down your list of cool gigs and things that you do with the university here. And the next one is, among everything else, you find time to write for statecollege.com and you cover the football team. A lot of Penn Staters and fans read your articles about the team. And so tell us a little bit, like, how does your perspective or how does the perspective that you bring differ from other writers that write about Penn State or other um, publications that are out there? Thanks for asking. I'm paired with Ben Jones who's the yeah. primary beat writer for statecollege.com. Yeah. Everybody knows Ben, ben social media. He's quite a personality. So he's a daily beat guy. I'm a columnist. I'll write two to four columns a week. I've covered football for 44 years, so that helps with some perspective. Wow. I try to find stories that other people aren't, aren't writing about. Media Day was the other day. So I asked, this was my story, and it'll, be, it'll appear tomorrow. I asked Manny Diaz and then Mike Yersich, and Manny Diaz is new. And Mike, Mer- Mike Yersich used to coach at Ohio State. I go, so from your perspective, what does Penn State have to do to close the gap between Michigan and Ohio State? And they gave me great answers. And we, you don't often get those. And everyone's talking about the Rose Bowl, which is great. But you're going to read 50 million stories about the Rose Bowl. It was only one about closing the gap. And to me, that's the central, still the central story about Penn State football, yeah. right? after last season. So I try to find those things. The next story I'm writing is who's the next guy to wear Jersey zero, mm. the special team. Yep. Season, right? No, no. I mean, it's not a big story. It's not a scoop. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of cool. special interest. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to find pieces like that. No one else is writing that I'm a little interested in. The last piece that I'm working on right now is if I go back to 65 and I figure out where Penn state was ranked at the, in the AP pool at the end of the regular season, were they in the top 12? Now, why would I wonder if they're in the top 12 at the last AP pool of the regular season? The new college football playoff. Right. So let's yeah. say, so in retrospect, like in the 70s, from 71 to 78, seven of those eight years, Penn State would have been in the playoffs. So it's just retrofitting and coming up with something different that someone else did. And to Penn State's credit, it's under James now, it's been five times that they've been in the top 12, which is usually for Penn State, they're usually five or six times a decade. They were in the top 12. Think back at, well, now you guys graduated fourth. So, <laughs> you can't, our, our four years of football were terrible, except for the Larry Johnson 2002. But you can't they go might have, I forget, two, oh, two, they might have been top 12 because they snuck in and played Auburn. That's right. So your years aren't a good comp. Yeah. But no. Stuff like that. I try to find things like that no one else is writing that interests me that I have. I, I have fun researching and hopefully add to the discussion and discourse. I look forward to reading that article, by the way, what you were saying about the, the closing the gap with Ohio State and Michigan, because that 
to me, when I meet folks that are not Penn Staters, but they're generally college football fans, that's the first question. That's the topic of conversation. It's, oh, you guys are good, good enough, but you're not good enough to get to that top five level, that top four, or what used to be, or, you know, up until now is the college football playoff. And I've got my opinions, but I'm certainly, I put a lot more weight in your opinion. No, I do hear that a lot. Manny said two things, especially. I'm a huge Manny Diaz fan. He brought a reckless, fast, aggressive style of defense. He's incredibly articulate. When you go to practice, he's energetic, he's authentic, huge Manny Diaz fan. Best move that James Franklin's made in five years, I think. Manny had two really neat things to say. One, he said, I don't think the players think the gap is as big as everyone else. I thought that was interesting. And the other one, he goes, listen, up until Michigan beat Penn State in 21, they both were in the same boat, which they were. If you look at the five years before that, Franklin was 52 and 29 maybe or 22 and Harbaugh was 49 and 22 they were exactly the same they were exactly the same school so in your if your Manny Diaz is coming in and going listen Penn, Penn State and Michigan were the same school up until recently and I like that fresh attitude and it was just a different look at things very cool Looking forward to it. You know, well, going back to another course that you taught. So you were one of the original instructor of a course called COM 476, which was a capstone sports writing class. When the college founded the landmark John Curley Center for Sports Journalism in 2003, you taught the course for a decade, I understand. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So given the prevalence of social media today, I know we hit social media a little bit at the beginning. How would your approach to teaching that course today differ as compared to when you taught that course, say 20 years ago? That's terrific insight. Today, no one knows who Red Smith is. No one, no one really, we would still do. There is still some long form, but not much. But a Penn Stater, Tom Verducci is like maybe the best guy in America at long form. And believe me, we read a lot of Verducci. Quick shout out to John Curley, who was the first editor and then publisher of USA Today, who created the Curley Center for Sports Journalism. His vision with Dean Doug Anderson, they created the center, which really at the time is one of the first first of its kind. But you're right. It's it, reporting is different. Reporting is 24 seven. It's no game coverage. Who reads game stories? Who writes game stories? Those type of things. Everything's instant. Everything's instantaneous or quite honestly, OK, come up with an angle or story that no one else has, which is challenging. You know, it, it, I'll tell you something like I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Like when I was in high school, I loved reading the sports page, right? That's what I would do. I would in the morning, I grabbed the paper, I'd read the, read the, the, the uh, sports section. And that was just like very like a pastime for me. Then today, one of my favorite things is I know we were before we, we hit the record button, we were talking about Twitter and I love the access that the average person has to like the beat writers. Right. Think about it. You've got your like, you know, somebody like yourself, you were at the press conference. Right. If you know me as like a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I can follow all these guys to write for the Inquirer that are there at the the press conferences every day. They're with the players. They see the players. And whether it's a link to their article or even just like a, hey, I heard X, Y, Z. That is instant knowledge that we used to have once per day sometimes a little bit less. And now you've got it multiple times per day. They're sitting in the press box during the game. You can find out what that guy, one player's injury is before you even hear about it on television. It's just a whole uh, different world. But yeah. And you have to make the, as a journalist, there's a balance between giving away the news for free on Twitter versus holding it in your pocket. So people go to your site or subscribe to your site for it. So it's a tenuous 
blend, you want to give them enough to follow you, but also become a personality and brand. So they're going to follow you on Twitter or IG, but then they also want to read your longer pieces. It all comes back to branding and marketing. So your favorite Adam Schefter is a brand. He's going to, he's going to break the news about Jalen Hurts on, he did it on NFL Live today. And then it went to Sports Center, and it's on Twitter. He's a platform in and of itself. A sports journalism is, it's not a novel idea on my part, but it's 24-7. Mike. It's the holiday season, as you certainly know. You know a lot of people around Penn State, part of the Penn State community, and it's certainly the season of giving right now. Since you're so knowledgeable about Penn State and the community, can you give us one person associated with Penn State or the greater State College community that you'd like to recognize for all he or she does that maybe doesn't get the recognition they deserve? Good for you guys. Yeah, there is. There's a Penn State grad who has had a downtown store less than 100 yards from the campus gates on Allen Street. Rapid Transit Sports, do you guys Yeah, remember? I know. Yeah, I sure. was there last yeah. time I was in town. Yeah. You, of course. And Terry was there. Terry Lash, the owner, 38 years. A little skinny guy. He's about wow. 70 years old. Wow. I mean, he's been a hallmark of the community. And, and no one knows this about Terry, but Terry donates to everything, donates T-shirts for events or running shoes or gives money. He gave five figures recently for the Penn State vets. People come from Bradford and Bedford and Ross, like you from out of town, you're going to go in there. It's a landmark. It's a touchstone. It's the same place on Allen Street. People come and go, but they come and go in that store. He's a hallmark. And every kid who's on a cross country or track team within 100 miles, knows rapid transit every kid who's on a penn state track cross country club cross country team they know rapid transit and he just doesn't sell them he gives advice i went to see my doctor last week she goes how are you and i everything's great but i have a i have a little foot issue she goes you should go down to rapid transit and see terry i go <laughs> yeah, i know terry i've known him the last 45 years <laughs> he just put an insole on my foot so it's like when the doctor refers me to terry you know he's good that's great. Yeah, it's nice to see, right? There's so many changes that have happened over the years at Penn State and in the town, right? But there's also those landmarks that have remained, which is, is really nice as well. So we are going to continue talking about Penn State, but more specifically, your time as a student. We're going to put you in the Lions Den, brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride and reminisce about your time at Penn State. Remember to visit lions-pride.com and join the Lions Pride loyalty program to start earning rewards so that you could use it on apparel and merchandise. So, Mike, we're going to go all the way back and remember your undergrad years at Penn State and tell us how they prepared you for the your early part of your career and the professional life that you've had since then. Two ways. In the classroom, the professors were all former journalists. They came from newspapers and magazines and they were a hardened journalist. They told you what it was about, which was not why they came to Penn State. They came from the industry. So classrooms were great. And then I was part of the Collegian and we published five days, five days a week, a paper in hand. And I, even back when you guys were in school, the Collegian was still five days and you walk yep. into a class That's right. and everyone is literally still reading the Collegian. It was a huge impact. It was a huge responsibility. And it was a thrill to see your name. But if you guys, I remember I wrote a story one time about 
Jill Rattray, the women's lacrosse and field hockey coach. When I was in the collegiate, I go, she has a full coaching load and is teaching these two classes, coaching these two teams. And I remember getting a call in my apartment from Jim Tarman, who was the athletic director going, what are you doing? I go, well, it's true. And that was the power of the press that you learned back in school as a student reporter that the athletic director would call you up and not be with happy with what you did, but it was the right thing to do. Wow. When you graduated from Penn State in, in 1982, did you have plans to stay in K- State College or what were you thinking? How did you just stay? I stayed in State College a little while. A friend of mine, Greg Woodman, you may know him from Affinity Connection, Happy Valley Promotions, the stand-up Joe. He and I did a commemorative yearbook on the 1982 national championship team. I stayed a little while, left, and then came back to work for the Center Daily Times and Blue White Illustrated. You know, it's the allure. Left and then came back to raise a family. I was telling someone the other day, I got to tell you, and I bet you guys, when you come to town, I still get a kick walking down College Ave. I still get a kick walking down the mall when classes change. It's really, it's, it is, it's, it's powerful. There's a special place. Yeah. Special place. Fantastic. Toughest one of the entire podcast. Favorite Penn State memory. (laughs) I have three, two are the same. Go ahead. My my son and daughter graduating from Penn State. That was really cool. It meant a lot. And then part of my job is when alumni come to campus is working on their schedule. So you mentioned, and I appreciate you saying Donald P. Belisario College Communications. Don, who created Magnum PI, NCAIS, et cetera, gave $30 million for the College of Comp, and it's wow. named there. From, so I would arrange Don's visits when he came to campus. And in 2012, I took him in to see Bill O'Brien in the Lash Building for a one-to-one visit. I love Bill. I said that before. He's wonderfully authentic. But guess who the number one fan in America of Magnum P.I. is? I'm going to guess Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. He knows every episode, everything. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. So I took Don in to, to meet Bill. And we were in that office, the one that was Joe's office, That's that was Bill's office, and now James Franklin's office. And it was just Belisario, O'Brien, and me for an hour and a half talking inside football, talking up every episode of Magnum P.I. I never heard so many, I'm not even kidding, so many F-bombs in my life dropped. <laughs> but it was great because these are two different ways. These are two icons of Penn State and especially Don of, of American culture, but it was just fascinating. And Penn State has allowed me to sit on the sideline of some of those things, but immense respect for both of those guys. And so the honor of having them meet and really hit it off well was really a cool Penn State moment for me. Wow. Jared, before you move forward here, just think about that for a second. This is the insight you get on Lion Legacy. Where else would anybody find out that Bill O'Brien is a huge Magnum PI fan? I don't think, and kudos to Mike Portman for telling us about that, because I don't think anybody Uh, else could tell us. I love it. You find all these nuggets, which is great. Only here. You mentioned the Daily Collegian. Obviously, you were a writer when you were a student. We have a great partnership with the Daily Collegian where students submit questions to our guests. And this week, Brady Miller Jr. wants to know some advice. What do you think separates students from others when applying to internships? Brady Miller knows the answer to this question. I did a presentation at the Sports Business Club, and I know you have a 
you have affinity for them, Jared. And then I did a lecture in class on this. Brady, who came to the club and then had to listen to again in class, it was on networking and applying and standing out. And so much of these things are by rote, are by templated, are without feeling or emotion. And so whether you're looking to network or you're applying for an internship is get to know who's on the other side. Read their LinkedIn, do some research. And here's the bottom line, make it personal, make it personal. I grew up reading the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette or my grandfather was featured in a story in 1952 on page C3, and that's in a frame on the wall. And I've looked at that my entire life. May, or you're the editor. I know you graduated from Penn State in 76. I looked up your article in the Collegian on this. I want to learn under you. Make it personal. It's all personal. Jared, you and I, we have this relationship through, I don't know who I'm, what other people, but it is personal. And Penn State, for being so big, really is good about drilling down and finding that connection. So true. All right, Mike, we're going to take you back a little bit again here. If you could go back and visit with yourself as an 18-year-old freshman entering Penn State for the first time, what advice would you share with yourself? Wow. I would have tried harder to get a job at the New York Times. Absent that... I would have worked on getting my advanced degree before I, before the age of 60. It never hurts to continue to learn. It never hurts to be in higher ed and have an MA or a PhD. We're the business of education. And so the more qualified you are, the more you've been part of the system and understand the system, the better off you are. I think if I had started my master 20 years ago, hopefully I'd be at least working toward my doctorate at this point. But all in all, I have a great job at Penn State. It's a wonderful community. The risk of being corny, I'm a lucky guy. That's great. Along the advice lines, when you find out someone is considering Penn State, I'm sure you see a lot of prospective students. If one came up to you and said, why should I go here? What would you tell them? Really good question. I answered it earlier. It's, what do you want to do? You should be able to find someone who went to Penn State who's already blazed that trail for you. And if they haven't, and I know a lot, I do a lot with journalism communications. And if Syracuse has someone that has already created that path, then Syracuse may be the place for you. Okay. That's the kind of the question that you should ask is someone already gone there. Tom Verducci is a great example. If you want to be the lead writer at Sports Illustrated and write New York Times bestseller and be a baseball analyst, yeah, we got a guy that's done that. His name's Tom Verducci. If you want to write the hit series in America on television, yeah, we have a guy who's done that. His name's Don Belisario. If you want to do social media with Tom Brady and Bronk for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we got someone who's do who does that. Her name is Jill Beckman. So if you have a dream and Penn State is going to be the avenue to achieve that dream, let's find you someone who has already gotten there get you there. And if Penn State can't do it, then continue to look. If someone has that job, find out how they got there. That's a great answer. I would actually answer a little bit differently. And I would say, you're going to run into people and get to know people like Mike Porman, because it is very clear you are a true champion of the students. I wish I knew you back in 2000 to 2004, but you know, certainly glad that our paths crossed many years later. And just have a, you know, Ross and I have a, so much respect for someone like you 
We, we talk a lot about, not we, us too, but we, Penn State, talk a lot about faculty and research. And we have a lot of respect for those people as well who contribute to, to research. But people like yourself, unfortunately, always don't get recognized. And you have continued to champion students and alumni all these years. And I think on behalf of not only myself and Ross, but really all Penn Staters, thank you. You're welcome. I always tell kids and the best kids. It's easy to coach Tom Brady. It's hard to coach the third stringer in the XFL. Penn State has a lot of Tom Brady's. We always end the podcast with, we are Penn State. Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.